And I, I, think, I want to recount that shit, man. That was hilarious. The Pope okay. of Color thing? Yeah, the most recent Pope being from Argentina. And he's an Italian immigrant. <laughs> and that yeah. lived in Argentina. Does that make him Latino? <laughs> Hello? What are we doing? <laughs> I was just like, what? wait, he is, is that making white. a person of color now? Did what you is, know Columbus what is, is actually Cuban? <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome back to Human Reaction, your weekly source for independent commentary on cultural news and politics, where it's always our mission to arm you with the tools you need to mm, do the stuff that you do and not let the media control your brain. Uh, here with me today, David Rand, <laughs> Kyle Mack. I thought you were going to go Italian, the way you had your hands there. Hey, like, hey, hey, the way I do it. Cut through the media misdirection. Hey. <laughs> Close enough, right? Close enough. It's funny that you botched the end of that because this is like the media misdirection week. Like this was propaganda week. About $68 billion currently languishing in the house. And what we saw this week was a media blitz from the institutions that be um, to generate war fever with Russia. So we're going to go through a whole bunch of stories and kind of how they all interrelate with that. Uh, a lit streamer uh, goes viral in front of the Israeli embassy. I can see Jesus over your shoulder right now, staring at you. Yeah. Just, just judging. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is P Diddy the Jeffrey Epstein of music and a lot of other great human reaction content. So, um, before we get into it, like, comments and like, I can't speak either. We're all we're we're doing great. We're starting up. Like, comment and subscribe wherever you're listening to us. And if you're especially if you're on YouTube, hit the notification bell because about like a quarter of our subscribers don't kind of don't see the content right in their feed. So that notification bell lets you get it right to us. Let, let's us get. I, I can't talk right now. It's fine. It's uh, fine. We'll get right to you. We'll show up when we get right to you. New episode. Out. Yeah, we just hit 800 subscribers on YouTube. So uh, help us get even more by recommending the podcast. Um, thousand subscribers on TikTok. We're going to be going live on Wednesday. Tentatively is what we think right now, right? 8, 830 Mountain Time. 830 Mountain Time. We'll, we'll announce it and all that <laughs> stuff, right? And also uh, join our Discord uh, because uh, we have awesome memes in there. Um, <laughs> go down a little bit. You got to go down a little bit. You're not, you're not well, seeing the bottom. There, there yeah, we go. There we go. Joe Sheehan. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's beautiful. You've, you've done it to yourself. Oh man, guys, it is so funny. I do like that. There's like memes that are coming out of this. You with your women's fashion critique, Bennett with being a CIA asset mm -hmm, or mm -hmm, agent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, it's great. Look, it's great. you know what? Okay, so uh, it's today is the first day of Women's History Month. <laughs> so I've decided I have compiled a list of of women's fashion. We're gonna uh, react to through that. the ages, and we're, and we're gonna go through it. Not Which today. Century? Members only. Members exclusive. That's right. <laughs> this is behind the paywall. You gotta pay for this. This is quality. Which century content. was the best for women's fashion? <laughs> I don't want. I'm not gonna give out any spoilers. You gotta. You gotta sign up. Speaking of signing up, we've got membership tiers. You guys, now we're we're, we're getting legit here. If you're watching on YouTube, you have two cool options the first one is echo chamber it's the it's the uh the most inexpensive way of investing in your favorite podcast gives you access to our exclusive channels within our discord server which of course isn't itself exclusive you can go there for free there's a link in the description uh you can join it but there are exclusive channels this you can get a into. tier of channels exactly that, that we're building out and then we've got some cool special emojis and loyalty badges on youtube itself one step up from that 
if you shift over to Substack, if you're a Substack subscriber, if you like reading long form stuff uh, or or consuming video content there, we have members only written and video content on Substack. And at that second tier, which is eight bucks, all it is, eight bucks a month, you also get exclusive discounts on HR goods like this hat that I'm wearing, like this t-shirt. We'll have lots more cool stuff coming soon. Thanks to our awesome sponsor, Revved Up Promo, who's doing all of our merch. Uh, and then at the very top, if you want to be like your brother Russ, yeah, and support us at the highest possible level and get yourself shouted out on the show, it's fifteen dollars a month. You can join in during live interviews. So when we do an interview, uh, we will send you a link personally, and then you can tune in as the audience and you can sit in on the interview and you can ask questions for us to ask our guest. It's going to be really cool. Great way to get access to the people that we talk to. We will give you early access to our weekly episodes. Uh, those are, go out to members only. And then like a day later or two days later, they'll go out to everyone else. Once a year, we're going to do a free merch drop. So everyone at this tier will get something for free from us in terms of swag. And uh, of course, we're going to mention you uh, in the show credits. So this week, it's your brother, Russ. Yeah. Thanks, Russ. Thanks, Russ. We appreciate you, man. Who's been on the podcast and was an er early interview so we could practice interviewing with him. That was fun. It was fun. It yeah. was fun. He did great. And, and you know, like, I, I wish that my history teacher in high school was as cool as Russ. Absolutely. Because my history teacher was an absolute socialist. <laughs> really? And had I not been on it... Had I had not had I not had good upbringing, I totally could have turned out mm. just a woke leftist. But uh, actually, but <laughs> we have a new segment where we're going to go over some of the uh, pushback that we got from the comments here. Where's the actually meme? Do we have that? No, I don't have. Oh, ben, ben gotta, can cue it up. Bring it up, Ben. Ben, it'll pull it up in post. <laughs> Actually, okay. Ben, it's just what like happened, writing Joe? down. I have more work to do. <laughs> so last week we got some pushback in the comments over uh, what we were talking about regarding uh, there never having been a pope of color, which really was just pope. was just a, a joke in the moment. But but apparently there actually have been three popes from the continent of Africa, and they're all in like the hundreds bc so they're very very far in the, in the past um but they were from africa so hundreds bc would not make sense <laughs> oh I, I mean I'll, I'll pull up the article well, right I, here. The, the church wasn't up in or, uh, AD. I, maybe i meant ad i'm sorry this I'm would sorry. be to like 400 or something it, 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 <laughs> right no you're, you're right that makes sense the birth of christ <laughs> <laughs> hundreds ad thank you so the three of them they were um so the 14th pope victor the first was uh 189 to 198 ad then we had um Miltiades. yes got it they they had land in africa now yeah the question is were they were they african or were they Roman aristocracy who owned land in Africa? Were is, they, is this they sort were, of like a Cleopatra thing? Like, this is, we're good. Just, what do you mean, sort of like a Cleopatra thing? I'm just saying there was a bunch of hubbub about this last year about and because they made her a black woman when she was clearly not. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. Also, also making Egyptians black is also the erasure of a culture. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and and uh, additionally to that, uh, making Cleopatra black, uh, it erases the history of Egypt uh, because they were conquered by Greeks and then their aristocracy were Greek for a very long time. Interesting. Cleopatra. Interesting. Uh, so, and once again, with the, with the popes, uh, we also got pushback from Hannah in their discord. That's why you should join our discord. So you can check out all the great discussions about the current pope who's said to be Latino because mm. he's from Argentina. Mm -hmm. That said, he was born by Italian immigrants. <laughs> so no, he's not Latino because he's not racially... 
anything other than a white dude. Yeah. It's like calling me a Native American <laughs> because yeah. I was born in a place next to Native Americans that was once occupied by Native Americans. It's ridiculous, right? It just he doesn't well, make you a member of the of the racial group that once lived in that space just because you immigrated there. Yeah. You can't claim to be a person of color without actually being having color. Well, as like, I said before we started recording, pink is a color. So how <laughs> what, dare you? What words do we mean in my rights anymore? as a marginalized group? Well, because it's it's such a ridiculous standard. Because you can blow that up and be like, well, but they're from the global south. Well, but and then like the obviously the co- the popes that had land honings ownings in Africa. Like, well, I mean, uh, with, uh, with names like Victor and Galasius, they don't sound particularly African per se. No. They do. They do sound like Roman aristocracy with landholdings. <laughs> come Anyways, on, man! But this is all beside the point. Come because, on, man! <laughs> okay, all right. Come on, man! The point that we were trying to make at that at, at at that moment in the show last week is that the AI is just it's like literally dumb because if if you were to just if it's crawling all the information on the internet right and it's saying okay on average what what nationality or what ethnicity were the popes that existed there have been according to the website that i pulled up religionnews.com 266 popes total in history 217 of them are from italy 16 of them are from france and six are from germany certainly not uh nations and i I will say i just pulled up a picture of pope victor the first who is on that list of african popes and he's a white guy (laughs) (laughs) so despite the fact that they were from the continent of africa may or may not have actually been even then from is a loosely defined term in this as well yeah resident of right it's like uh yeah but there is a there's like a lot of internet bs with this stuff uh that that are people trying to rewrite history oh these 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 different people that you like for some reason niche were actually black and that it's like it's it's that sort of, I yeah. will say he is a Roman African. So <laughs> is it does it say that? That's because yes, Rome it it right here, Roman controlled African. <laughs> Northern Africa for a very long time. Duh. That doesn't make you oh, black. For for several hundred years after the fact of this. Yes. Like Rome had control of over Northern Africa entirely. Yes. Um, uh, another that's, that's the whole story of another, Cleo, that's the whole story of Cleopatra. She was like managing government over uh, over like the Egyptian realm of Rome at the time, right? Yes, and, she, and she's part of a noble, noble family yeah. that ruled. But I, but I believe, believe she was time. born in Greece. Yeah, <laughs> right. I, I might be wrong about that. Don't correct me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the so, other one uh, I, I got wrong. Uh, something I actually got wrong. And I want to correct the record on is Khashoggi. I said that Hillary Clinton that that happened under Hillary. It actually happened under Trump. What I, my point was was that Hillary Clinton throughout her tenure worked with and then uh, let her under, undermine the Mubarak regime all throughout the 1990s. We worked with various different dictators who killed people and we were cool with that. In fact, that's what CIA black sites were that we collaborate with and we're perfectly comfortable with those in those, those circumstances. So we're no better than Putin in this case. Sorry, there's CIA African American sites. I just want to, I just want you to use the right terminology. Look, it's You're 2024. Right. Right. Some I of them just... are in Africa. You're, it's a good point. <laughs> good point. It's, uh, you got me there. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> Enough of this. Let's get on to the, what happened this week. I'm actually, um, actually. <laughs> That's enough, actually. If you are a small business owner looking for exponential growth, you have to connect with Adam Thune at Intellectual Patriots. He will revolutionize your business game and help you get to the next level. Adam can streamline your business practices and advertising strategies to improve your bottom line. His expertise in data engineering means he can build you the systems you need to collect and analyze market data. His mission is to provide you with invaluable insights to fuel your success. From grant writing and business proposals to digital systems integrations, 
even AI management. Intellectual Patriots is a one-stop shop for cutting-edge solutions. Don't wait another second. Visit intelpatriots.com to learn more. That's I-N-T-E-L patriots.com. This episode is brought to you by Revved Up Promo, the official apparel partner of Human Reaction. Revved Up is a premier full-service shop specializing in laser engraving, screen printing, and embroidery. Not only are they now making all of our apparel right down the road from us, they can do the same for your brand and ship it to you anywhere in the world. Revved Up helps you navigate the extensive universe of merch options and uses state-of-the-art techniques to showcase your brand in its very best light. So if you want to support our show and our generous sponsor, you can now do so by buying our merch and by turning to Revved Up Promo for your own custom apparel needs. Reach them at revveduppromo.com. That's with two V's and two P's, or just check the show notes for a link. What do we got going on this week? All right, so I had the strangest sense this week. It was very, very weird. On Monday and Tuesday, I kept on seeing these stories come up, and I was like, wow, that's propaganda, and strangely and interestingly timed. Can you just, what was it that keyed you into like, ooh, that's propaganda? Well, specifically, this New York Times article comes out, and it says spy war, and I was like, why aren't we? It's not usual for an institution like the New York Times to come out and be like, "Hey, check all this cool spy shit we're doing." You know, like why? Because typically, spy shit's secret. Yes, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the nature right. of spy shit. So that means, right, Bennett can confirm. <laughs> <laughs> so the CIA gave the New York Times access to secret bases in Ukraine, and they wrote this puff piece about how awesome it is that for a decade, decade. We've been working, the CIA has been working in Ukraine to establish military ties and interoperability with Ukrainians to conduct a war against Russia. And they just kind of talk about this, like how great it is. And like, you're reading it and you're like, are we, are we admitting now? Like, cause I don't imagine the Kremlin doesn't have a subscription to the New York times if they want to get one. Well, and, and Putin right? was saying all this kind of started in 2014, right? <laughs> yes. A decade ago. <laughs> yes. And if, and if you listen to Ben Shapiro, which we'll cover later, he just says, Oh, in 2014, Russia sent troops to the Donbass secret troops for no reason whatsoever. <sighs> so, uh, for new listeners in 2014, we supported a coup that overthrew the democratically elected, government of ukraine we at the human reaction podcast supported it personally yes (laughs) with our hard-earned dollars (laughs) the u.s government did uh and they revealed the whole thing was a cia from the beginning now what's interesting here what flagged it for me it was that it was the strangeness of that and it was the timing now in october the biden administration asked for 68 billion dollars for ukraine and they smashed it together with israel spending and some other foreign aid aid because when people think foreign aid, they think like bandages and food for yeah. people. Water. And, and for like a tsunami, right? Yeah. No. These are these are explosive munitions. There's defensive aid. weapons, bro. <laughs> yeah. Defensive weapons. Okay. So a defensive weapon is no longer defensive if I can aim it at you. Correct. That's the rule of a defensive weapon. How about we just make that a rule? If it explodes, not defensive. What is a defensive weapon then? Uh, there's no such thing as a defensive. <laughs> one. There's a defense. There are defensive things like body armor. Sure. Right. Right. Like uh, armor proof SUVs. Okay. Yeah. 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 Bulletproof things. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Not super useful in a war though. Well, I mean, you got to transport people somehow. I mean, but, yeah, of yeah. course, but so you're trying to win. Uh, that got through the Senate and uh, through the negotiations in February. And has pretty much been paralyzed from going through the House because Speaker Johnson, the, the speaker that was put in by the conservatives through the McCarthy uh, hullabaloo, uh, has said, no, not good enough. We need 
this we need to rebalance this differently because right now this is not really doing much as far as changing real policy at the border. It does do a few things on asylum and stuff like that, but it doesn't really solve a border or create a real border solution. And it's and it does too much in Ukraine. And I don't he can't hold his caucus together while spending ten times more in Ukraine than on our own border uh, when we have millions of people crossing the border right now. Yeah, so. I, I think that the the hypocrisy there is just too much for for really anybody to overcome at this point. Right. What's the significance of the timing here? I mean, why now? Yeah. So the, yeah, it's it's that spending thing. And then what's interesting is that it notes that 2014 today, ten years, one decade. What happened over that time? Right. And and you know, for regular listeners of podcasts, it's pretty clear. 2014, we had the, there's the coup. Since then, there was an escalating set of circumstances happening in the eastern parts of Ukraine that was very particular to that time, including two different peace accords called the Minsk Accords to negotiate out the kind of civil war happening between eastern Ukraine and western Ukraine. Uh, This was after the coup where we put in our guy, right? We literally put in our guy and then had this dude on The Daily Show come on and be like, hey, we're going to steal... We're, we're, we're going to steal Robin from Batman. Yeah, I think that was on the Colbert Report is where that happened. Yes, That's there we right. go. Roll. That's right. Yeah, and, and like our State Department was like spiking the ball saying, look at all the great work we've done. One woman was caught on a diplomatic cable, not a diplomat, on a call, on a phone call, basically picking the people who would uh, become the new government of Ukraine in 2014. Who is that? Victoria Newland is her name. And Victoria, uh, what got covered is she said, blah, 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 fuck the EU. She used that. She used a naughty word. Quote, unquote. And so the press said, U.S. diplomat says naughty word. (laughs) What they don't cover is that this was her picking who would become, who would eventually, and then this, you know, become exactly the people who would take over Ukraine after the coup. Meaning Zelensky. Yeah. This wasn't us. No, no, no. No, this was the guy before Zelensky. Oh, okay. Two guys before Zelensky, if I remember right. It, regardless, I see. The important thing was that she was selecting who would become the cabinet and the first and the second, like all the mm-hmm. all the major people, including discussing various different people who had ties to the ultra nationalist Nazi components of Ukraine and putting them in positions of power. You mean the wholesome pro democracy defenders <laughs> of the free world? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, what really spiked the whole, like, oh, my God, it is a propaganda week, was when I saw Victoria Newland on CNN justifying more spending in Ukraine. It is, and I do hear you and the others in the administration and supporters talking about the vital necessity to do this. But as people say, hope is not a strategy. And do you have any actual belief or reason to believe that eventually uh, this bill will be paid? And if not, how are you going to make sure Ukraine gets vital weapons and ammunition? Christian, I have strong confidence that when the House comes back after they've been out in their districts hearing from the American people, after they have heard from Ukraine, they have heard from Europe, which, by the way, just passed $54 billion in additional aid itself, that we will do what we have always done, which is defend democracy and freedom around the world, not just for victims of uh, tyrants like Putin, but in our own interest in preserving a free and open international order. That's what we need to do. We've done it before. And by the way, we have to remember that the bulk of this money 
is going right back into the U.S. economy to make those weapons, including good-paying jobs in some 40 states across the United States. I think she just said the quiet part out loud, you guys. Uh, that's, that's, a, that's the talking point right now from supporters of this stuff really yes now it's like it's not like oh you're a conspiracy theorist if you think the military industrial complex is a thing to now it's just like the military industrial complex is good for the economy mm-hmm. we got to make all those jobs yeah we, we got to get some jobs um <laughs> well and, and also she did the whole like we got to make the world safer democracy thing in there too yes right? which is the like rules the based point. international order mm. kyle God, she hit all the, the, like, the warm, fuzzy words for the brain. Huh? <laughs> but what about the rules? Putin is a tyrant. Make world safe for democracy. Economy. Jobs. Economy. We're making jobs. Mm. <laughs> right. let, me, let me be clear. There are no rules in the international scene. We break our own rules all the time. Like when we overthrew a democratically elected regime in 2014 that she was caught on a cable selecting. Like, and then this reporter doesn't challenge her at all on this. In fact, just sits there and here, here's a, why should we give them everything that you want to get? Like this person who is, I'll say it, a war criminal, somebody who literally installed neo-Nazis in the government of Ukraine. Oh, using a, the CIA and the state department. Come on. There's such yeah. a, there's such a fun clip. I, I should, I should find it of her, having to kind of defend the neo-nazis like she she was there's there's a clip from a year or two ago where where they're asking her like so like but what about these like neo-nazis like well you know (laughs) she's like trying to like work away and weasel her way out of it it's pretty funny yeah yeah it's it's so clear i mean it's 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 defending democracy with an asterisk and the asterisk is if they aren't pro-western then they have to be overthrown. Not, not pro-Western even, right? Like, like neo-Nazism isn't pro-Western. Well, no, no, no. Right? I'm not even saying that. But like if the regime in Ukraine wasn't on board with whatever her agenda is, mm-hmm. they have to go. And well, it doesn't matter who replaces them so long as they're willing to play ball. And this is always the problem, right? It's solving the problem of the moment in a way that makes sure there's all the money goes to the military industrial complex and the blob, right? Because at every step of the way in the 1990s, in the late 1990s, we supported all kinds of jihadist factions. We, fought, we supported the jihadis against like the, um, like the Russians and all that kind of stuff. We, we helped them in Chechnya and things like that. And then when they bombed us, when, when 9-11 happened, the response, the quoted response from Bill Clinton, because he wasn't president at the time, was, yeah, but they were all friends. We gave them all these money and weapons and training and stuff like that so that they could accomplish their goals. Why would they attack us? Right? It's the, oh, they must like us because they're taking our weapons that's the absurdity thing the question is is when does this all turn around against us when does this blow up in our face like every other foreign policy these kinds of people have been get putting us through for three decades i think likely this war continues on for a long long period of time because there's going to be there's going to be no reason for these people to try to get peace talks and it's probably going to escalate into something pretty disastrous more disastrous than the hundreds of thousands of people that are dead right like there's probably going to be some sort of event that really just continues to escalate it further that that would be my suspicion because there's no reason for these people to to want peace it doesn't help them in any way well the narrative has kind of shifted to putin threatens nuclear war mm-hmm. if right like if the if nato lets ukraine into into it right into nato well that was another piece of the propaganda right yeah is so like this week the the guy and i actually have the video if you want to see it kyle uh the nato later it's about 30 seconds long you know he he, so the way it was covered 
in um in uh in the sun was that out of the blue putin suddenly threats to nuke the world right that's how the sun covered it but what actually happened was the french president emmanuel macron said this week that the future deployment of quote western ground troops in ukraine should not be ruled out and then this dude said this about uh nato and uh ukraine yeah and he's the what what is he he's uh He's the, he's the, he's the current guy in charge of uh, NATO. Uh, yeah, he's the chief. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't sure if chief was just like his his. his well, I don't think that's actually term. his charter. That's Master just, chief. just how it described. <laughs> the thing chief. in there just says chief. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay, what's up, chief? And we are deepening our political ties through the NATO Ukraine Council, where we consult and make decisions together. Ukraine will join NATO. It is not a question of if, but of when. As we prepare you for that day, NATO will continue to stand with Ukraine for your security and for ours. So the entire conflict. Okay, so just to kind of rewind real quick, the entire conflict happened because in 2008, um, what's his name? Uh, Julian Assange released a diplomatic cable that had been he had gotten a hold of called Niet means Niet, which was a guy uh burns actually who became cia director later um giving a diplomatic cable to the state department uh saying hey guys uh, this is actually a little bit before this is like 2007 or something like that hey guys uh the reddest of red lines is for us to try to get ukraine into nato right russia putin everybody in fact i think the cable says something like I can't find anybody who doesn't think that it's the reddest of red lines. Like if you do this, it will provoke a war. Mm-hmm. And they said this. And then in 2008, NATO got together and said, we're going to bring Ukraine in to NATO. And they ignored that diplomatic cable that we know they received. They had the Intel that said this will cause a war and they went and they did it anyways. That guy is Jens Stoltenberg. He is the, um, he's a member of the Norwegian labor party. And uh, he's currently the secretary general of, the, of NATO. So not chief, but he is a chief. Um, so I want to make that point. Like that, that was the provocation that created the conflict. Now you could say, hey, it shouldn't have been a provocation. But then there's a lot of other things we can debate about there. Like what is the purpose of NATO and things like that. But for them to double down now and say, oh, we don't have the funding. Congress won't approve the funding. We can't do all these things, but we're still going to put out there, oh, we're going to put Western troops in NATO or in Ukraine to fight Russians directly. Oh, we're going to all these things. Those are provocative things. Yeah. Right. And so then Putin came out and said, and this isn't me apologizing for it. It's disastrous and scary, but I can't, I can't, you have to look at someone like a rational actor. He's not just a crazy person for saying, hey, if you threaten me, I'm going to threaten you back with an escalation. Totally. Well, I mean, I, I, it, there's this problem, right, with Western media because everything that we were told around the Tucker-Putin interview and everything we've been told, you know, since the start of the Ukraine war and probably even before that, but at least in present memory is you can't trust what comes out of Putin's mouth. Mm -hmm. The guy is a liar. He's crazy. He's a war criminal. He's, you know, a brutal dictator. He murders his own people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And not to say that some of those things aren't true. Right. But at what point do you go, okay, this guy is saying that this is the reason he's acting a certain way. We keep doing that certain thing. His actions keep leading the other direction, you know, 
to defend against that thing, at what point do you say, yeah, okay, maybe maybe that is actually the case? Well, not just that. You have the same people who say that are also psychologizing him as a crazy person or saying, oh, his real psychology is here. just the nature of a conqueror of, of Ivan the Terrible and like kind of amorphosizes him into a, a uh, an embodiment of the entire Russian history. Like mm-hmm. this is just the nature of them to go out and conquer other people. It's like, if you use that against any other person, it would be seen as racist and crazy, right? If you just said America's nature is to dominate the world, we'd be like, that's, that's, no, that's crazy. Well, right? and no, if, but and if, you, and if anytime you say, oh, he's rationally responded to incentives that we would never tolerate, that isn't, doesn't have anything to do with whether or not his, what his statements are, right? That right. just has to do with how do human beings re- react to a negative incentive? Totally. Well, it, to me, it seems like this is a decent example of that, that sort of accuse your enemy of the thing that you're doing thing right like we are or we nato is aggressing and and doing the thing crossing the reddest of red lines in you you know offering nato membership to ukraine and so very clearly now they're in response to that saying oh yeah putin is the one who's actually doing the aggressing it's not us don't don't look at us and putin's been fairly straightforward of this like if you've listened to anything that he's done over the last two decades he's very straightforwardly talking about like back in 2008 he was talking about western aggression coming up on their borders and everybody just like laughed him off and and called him crazy back then and but like i i come from kind of like the mersheimer realist foreign policy view, generally speaking. And the the very nature of states is survival. So what P- Putin's actions, everything right now is the reason why he needs Crimea, Crimea right now is because they need it for like the survival of the Russian nation right now, because it's so, so important that, that they have that port and the Black Sea access and all this stuff, right? And if we continue to encroach on that, it's going to lead to a it's going to lead Russia to have to take drastic actions because if they don't have that, Russia suffers greatly, right? And it's just, it's very practical. Everything that he's doing, it makes a lot of sense if you just look at it through that lens. You assume that they are rational actors and not just crazy, evil bad guys, right? And we rely on a media to tell us they're crazy, evil bad guys to shut down our reason. And so we can't hold our own public officials accountable to what is obviously a provocation from them. Right, because they don't want to be held accountable, and something that puts literally everyone on the planet at risk of extermination. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I I don't know how people. I mean, I think we take it pretty soberly, and we and we we talk about it openly. But like, dude, the risk of nuclear war is like very real. It's like it's very real. Like, and there's no sign that NATO is like stopping or slowing on that path towards that outcome. Well, and like the crazy thing too is Putin asked to be part of NATO at one point, yeah. which which made it so that the entire purpose of NATO no longer really needed to exist. Like NATO victory achieved, the Soviet Union's gone. Russia a- actually asked to be a part of it, which at that point you're like, okay, well, there's no, there's actually no point of NATO anymore, right? I have so, a question um, then to, to post to you guys, if, if, I, if I may, really quick. Then what, if, 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 if NATO only existed to kind of oppose the Soviet Union and then the Soviet Union fell and Putin wanted to join NATO, then why why resist that why are they trying to preserve like a boogeyman like this foreign enemy to to fight what's the point here why are we creating this conflict when there doesn't need to be one so the low level resolution picture to that is you need an enemy in order to sell weapons the higher level or the more refined is from the collapse of the soviet union to the rise of putin is kind of a period where russia became a client state of america in a lot of ways um meaning london 
Well, London and New York finance got to take advantage of the privatization of Russian industry. With the rise of Putin, that there's a transition where they are at one point a client state and then another point no longer a client state. And it was during that transition period when Putin said, I would like to become that. And meanwhile, he is resisting them on some things. So it was if Putin was a complete client of the United States and a controlled asset, then, yeah, they, you know, we, we would probably would have kept NATO, but it'd be focused on Iran right now. So you're saying right? that because Putin isn't just an overt, completely controlled puppet of the West, they have to depose him in some way and replace him with someone who is it's it's exactly. a it's a pursuit of complete control and power of of russia and, and probably over, the entire that, world actually, for the most important natural gas resources in the world right? uh, that's the that's the thing that you have to you have to understand is ukraine is the bottleneck of how gas gets from russia to europe uh, and it's the same thing as Russia gas going south through the Black Sea and other areas. Each one of those things are bottle points that need to be controlled if you want to dominate the world energy scene. And actually what you said there, Joe, is what Putin said in that documentary series that um, uh, Oliver Stone made. Putin had said um, something along the lines of everybody else in the NATO Western alliance, uh, they're basically vassal states to the United States. Russia joining NATO would we wouldn't necessarily have to be a vassal state so that we could actually vote no on things like and sometimes we'd agree sometimes we disagree and that and that would be part of the diplomatic aspect but mm-hmm. that is a no-go it would challenge u.s hegemony or or superiority yeah. within that, that yeah because everybody within nato is a vassal state to the united states like yeah. america's an empire with just all a bunch of vassals right mm-hmm. they're also a competitor in the arms race right so american arms or what equip nato Right. We have NATO specified rounds that we use for interoperability with all of their Western troops. Russia doesn't necessarily participate in that. Right. So them being in NATO doesn't provide an avenue for our arms sales to NATO against Russian weapons. Does that make sense? Yeah. So really, it's just about money and power. Yeah. And energy power. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, energy quite literally being power but also for both leverage yeah. yeah well and i guess you know another money is a tool for power like power i think is the end the, the end of everything right yeah just like money energy all that stuff is tools that help you achieve power on the energy piece just to keep going down this rabbit hole just a little bit with so much attention being paid to green energy and shifting away from fossil fuels what would be the incentive for the west to have control over natural gas natural resources? gas is the most green energy at the lowest cost you can get the reason why uh, America never signed the Climate Peace Accords from Paris, uh, but we were the only Western nation to comply with it, was fracking. Can you dive deeper into that? Fracking created an unexpected amount of abundance of natural gas, which has the lowest carbon output with the most consistent and easily transferable. Changing coal fire over to natural gas is a lot cheaper than changing from coal fire over to solar or something mm. like that and it's base load it it burns consistently it doesn't matter what the weather is and problems like that are easily solved with natural gas but wouldn't you say that the powers that be who would probably be aligned with with something like this this nato expansion um with you know sort of this global transition to green energy right at least at least the the, the, the entities that pay lip service to that yeah uh are the ones that are also pushing uh 
renewable solar wind Kinda. that sort of stuff right i don't, I don't think they care as is much. it disingenuous yeah or, i think, I think they... it's both right it's yeah. like it's like the they want to they want to move this stuff over but they have to compromise with the reality germany can't yet go as green as they want to they're shutting down their base load power which is you know nuclear and so they need enough different base load power well the best bet after that is probably natural gas unless you want to go to coal like what else are you going to use for base load Base load is the power you get when you don't get other things. Right, right. right. Uh, what is there to fill in the gaps between them? You either have to use lithium-ion batteries, which on scale are very difficult to do on an industrial scale. And then second, you know, some form of power like nuclear. But if it were really about making the climate better, why would they shut down nuclear in favor of something that puts carbon into the atmosphere? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> well, okay. So a couple of things. So, well, number one, uh, the, uh, in America, at least the reason why has to do with the overregulation of nuclear, right? So it's, there's, there's kind of conflicts there. So the Obama administrations, for example, why we've had a deregulation of nuclear for experimental purposes for the new fourth and fifth generation reactors. So those are, that is, there's, there's actually a pushback there that is compliant with that, but no, ultimately uh, if you want the real answer, the deep answer, the profound answer, mm-hmm. uh, the best person in this space is definitely uh, Alex Epstein, uh, who, in his case, a fossil future and moral case for fossil fuels. And the answer is the goal is not climate to prevent climate change. The goal is to eliminate human impact on the world, right? It's an anti-human philosophy. It's a religion. So uh, that's what I was going yeah, for. Yeah, yeah. I wanted that. I wanted that. So conclusion. nuclear is the triumph of man over atoms, right? So you can't have nuclear be you know, your base load, right? Because it does create an offput and it creates nuclear waste, right? And so you have that nuclear waste in France. So if you're French, you're saying, what do we do with this? Well, it's a lot easier to keep all that waste from the mining of cobalt in Africa. You never see that. So you just bring up and have, oh, I just have a solar panel now. So now I can... Oh, so it's really more about a displacement of the unpleasant byproducts of energy production versus actually doing what is maybe the most efficient per, you know, unit of waste. Well, and we're also giving them way, way, way more credit, right? We're saying that this is like something they're rationally thinking through when it's much more like an instinctual human psychological motivation. You think so? It's more, it's, it's more, uh, it's less intellectual than yeah they're not weighing the trade-offs objectively they're saying like oh but there's nuclear waste yeah right, i'm not gonna think through the waste of mining coal why don't we just launch it into space come on elon that's what i always said i always said like just throw it into the sun <laughs> easy it's a giant nuclear reactor right like why not throw the nuclear waste in the it's sun practically it's practically recycling at that yeah point. well you can't miss the sun too it's huge <laughs> it's a giant gravity well you just shoot it right at it I don't know. I don't know. You don't even need rockets. Given our success rate, I think we could miss the sun. (laughs) (laughs) And then hit hit ourselves as we're coming around the backside. Yeah, that'd be great. (laughs) Don't. (laughs) Don't. All right. So uh, a couple of things that you mentioned there on the uh, Tucker Carlson, for example, had some interesting news stories dropped this week as well. This was kind of on the counter side. Tucker Carlson was on Lex Friedman and a news story dropped that he was, there was an assassination attempt against him while he was in Russia. That is so crazy. Now, I... I, this is a big unknown. So I, I mentioned this because I think it's a good actual media literacy test. Because if you just saw the reporting, it would be like, breaking news. But the news was from a Russian YouTube channel called, in Russian, Counterterrorism, with 10 videos, all of which seemed to be confessions from prisoners. So pretty sketchy. <laughs> okay. Right? Yeah. Not, not maybe the most trustworthy. <laughs> they look like they were filmed with like your razor from like 2006. Oh, right? best cell phone. Best cell phone. <laughs> Wanted one. Never had one. Um, 
the, it went from that website to a Telegram account to a Russian blog called mvlenty.net. And then it actually broke bid because of a of a of an American blog called Intel Drop. So uh, we have no cooperating information, no material evidence, no witnesses, no un, the uh, the interviewer that's talking in it or that is like he's talking to behind the camera is completely unknown, and then no background on the subject. We have no idea what the person is, um, other than that they say this person is confessing, and he sits there and he does confess to taking money from Ukrainian intelligence to plant a bomb. Uh, and to kill. Um, I, I, w- I would suspect that it would cost more than four thousand dollars to go to go after Tucker. Because <laughs> imagine how poor you are. I'm, I'm, I just I just ran through an English translator on the uh, blog mm-hmm. right now, and mm-hmm. it's saying that yeah, he his Ukrainian handlers promised him four thousand dollars for the successful ex- execution of the attack. If I were Tucker, I'd be offended. I'd be like, that's all. Yeah, only like, four thousand. Really? Come that's on, like give me more than that. Well, what's what's uh, what's uh, four thousand dollars in uh, rubles? Uh, I mean, it's life savings can be a lot. Yeah. Uh, so just think like question the with the exchange rate and things like that. And if you're not that wealthy, four thousand bucks. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no doubt. So do you think this is real then? With given what you what we know about it right now, there was an adverse reverse indicator. So when talking on Lex uh, uh, Lex Friedman, Tucker Carlson said, you know, asked if he was afraid while he was there, and he said, "Why would I be? I'm 54. My kids are grown. I believe in God. I'm almost never nervous." And like, that's like, I'm willing to die sort of statement to me. It sounds like it's a lot more than just like, are you nervous to interview a very powerful leader? But it's like, that's like, he says that are you nervous to die? You know? Yeah. He says that stuff all the time. Like that. He's just not really worried about any of these things. He's just more naturally curious. Like that's, that's the way that he's always been approaching this. Yeah. Um, Um, For the record, the exchange rate would be 366,000 Russian ruble for 4,000 us dollars. Okay. That's a lot of rubles. But, but that just there's just a lot of supply. Like I don't like, you know, four thousand is four thousand dollars at the end of the day. Like yeah. it could be you know sure. like ten thousand would be a lot more than that. Right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, true. <laughs> right. But it's not nothing. Like four like four thousand dollars in rubles still doesn't get you like a whole lot of stuff, right? It's not like life changing money to a Russian. Well, it's life changing money to Tucker Carlson. <laughs> come on <laughs> a couple of things that he said on the next freedom podcast i think are important to this conversation is that tucker says that putin seemed nervous like he over prepared for it which i thought was an interesting i was like yeah i can kind of see that um that he the, came prepared with the documents to give tucker yeah right? like like he wanted to go through that history yeah that oh, the oh, that the seemed nervous yes interesting yeah. and that the intelligence agencies probably leaked his leaving for interview and leaked his conversation he never recorded an actual interview with snowden but he met with and had dinner with snowden while he was in russia and they leaked to semaphore which is a website that has been accused of being an intel agency website uh, or at least um, industry plant influence plant um before hmm. so semaphore is just you know just semaphore.com it's what was the definition of it again, Kyle? It was very interesting that you. It was that just. Up. It was an interesting thing. It was like a, there's a computer science definition uh, on it. Uh, um, I, I don't have it up anymore, but it's like to control an asset or yeah. something. Yeah, like yeah. That. the way it's to restrict like, restricting access to common resources or something like that. 
Yeah, it was it was something like that. I can't remember. Pretty appropriate there anymore. Mm. It's just it's just a funny naming convention. But uh, yeah, it's it, it's a it's like a it says semaphore, intelligent, transparent, global, and it's uh they they say that they're about objective news and like increasing the quality of reporting and things like that. And they do have some stuff that I do like in the sense of like they do tend to put at the very top of their articles. Here are the objective facts, and they I've never really seen those be completely off. And then very specifically the reporter's opinion and then some like other narratives. That's their typical format, which I appreciate. But that's also it's interesting that twice now we have two different indicators, both Elon Musk and on this case, Tucker Carlson saying, no, no, they're they're an industry. Plan. Worth noting um, just who founded it. I think the, I think the connections here are, are through Ben Smith, um, who uh, former BuzzFeed. We, we've mm. gone through this before. Um, I, I don't have the information like off at the top of my head here, but because uh, we talked about this before with a, a different group, the one out of the Netherlands. What is that group called? The media outlet um, that is also like a CIA op. Yeah. Um, Not Bell- just runs- Bellingcat. 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 Yes. yes. Uh, there's connections like it. There, there's just the, there's these dudes from BuzzFeed that just are part of all of these things. Mm. And they and they have like deep ties to the DNC, deep ties to intelligence. I don't want to go too deep into it to, to like misspeak here, but there's stuff there that yeah. seems to be there. Interesting. So I, don't, I don't have it at the top of mind at the moment. Some they, capture, perhaps. The, so, so Tucker's like, I told no one, but it was on Signal, and that they then got that information and leaked it to Semaphore that he met with Snowden. Okay, so this is not the first time I've heard that Signal is not actually very secure. That it's like, you know, run by a nonprofit or whatever, and that it's open source and this and that, but that also it's in some way infiltrated or the, the nonprofit was funded by some CIA operation or something like that. I'm not I, sure. I've had conversations with tech guys too about signal. And I got the same take that Tucker did. And when he talked in the Lex Friedman interview that if it's a nation state, they can get into your signal. Right. And, but it's the same thing. Like if you listen to tech, like, um, what, what is that tech expert's name? I'm just like spacing on people's names right now. Uh, there's a tech, there's a tech guy on Joe Rogan a while back. I remember, and he was talking about this of like the means to be able to get into people's stuff now is so easy now. Like there's like whisper technology to be able to just like, Oh, you just need very basic information and governments can just like, or these intelligence agencies can just get into them. Right. Well, and the encryption doesn't really matter because the end to end encryption, what matters is the, is the transit yes. of the message. But if you can just get into the phone, you right. can just see it. You so if, if, if you just have on spyware the on the phone, your signal doesn't matter right. because they're not intercepting the message. They're just reading it off your phone. And right. if you're Tucker Carlson, you're your keyboard is a spyware right? yeah. or, or something. Oh, totally. Phone, right? Totally. Well, and I've, I've also heard as well, and I don't, you know, I'm not a technologist, so the details here are a little fuzzy, but I, I heard someone else say that encryption, there, like there's no encryption that doesn't have a backdoor for a government, right? Because how would a government ever let a private entity operate in their jurisdiction and have encryption that they couldn't break? Right. Well, that 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 was always kind of like the argument for why we shouldn't have encryption. In fact, there was huge encryption wars throughout the 1990s about the technology, specifically argue, argued about that we couldn't allow that to happen. Additionally, and we've talked about this many times on the podcast, a couple times because I'm obsessed with it, is the Swiss company that was originally, that turned out to be owned by the CIA that was providing all the encryption algorithms for the world. That said, encryption algorithms are open source, right? You can double check them, right? 
It's how you take something that is not encrypted and then turn it into a hash, like a randomized set of letters and numbers to then unencrypt on the other side with a shared key, Mm -hmm. right? That technology, that method can be checked by other people. And so backdoors are unlikely in those cases. That said, it's, it's not really the encryption that's a problem of transit. It's the when it's, it's actually the device itself taken oh. apart on the inside of the device. Yeah. You guys, you guys want to know who, uh, who has uh, funding in a uh, semaphore? Yes. Sam Bankman freed. Oh, interesting. MasterCard, Pfizer, Qualcomm. <laughs> Just a who's who of it's, brands. I love <laughs> it's, it's interesting. So, um, uh, the left also put out some propaganda. Semaphore too. announced plans to repurchase Bankman Freed's investments following the bankruptcy of FTX. <laughs> oh, why? They're a, um, they're a media outlet. Why would they buy? Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just reading. Well, just breaking news over here. Dig I'm just reading this. things. So. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So um, the left also had a bunch of propaganda come out uh, specifically to shame the right. Now, at the very bottom here, I had the Washington Post article, Kyle. I thought it'd be interesting to take a look at it. The title is, quote, Republican Republicans used to back Ukraine, then came middle fingers in Alabama. What? Yeah. So this is a, this goes through the story of this lady. Her, da- her dad uh, is Ukraine. Um, and obviously she's Ukrainian because of that, uh, Natalia. And she used to stand alongside a roadside saying support Ukraine. And then for a long time, everyone was like honking doing great. And then one day someone lowered their truck window and flipped her off. <laughs> she's in Huntsville, Alabama. <laughs> and it turns out that eventually Republicans are like, Hey, we gave you a lot of money. And yet a million, 5 million people have came across the border this year. And we're a little upset about that, that we're, worried about the borders of Ukraine, but not protecting our own border. And so this, this whole thing goes through a giant, like, you know, basically her drama of discovering that, you know, her neighbors are only willing to give them a couple, you know, tens of billions of dollars, maybe not hundreds of billions of dollars yeah. in the given fiscal year. So I, yeah. I mean, how dare people be so selfish? <laughs> Really, it's, it's kind of like it's said with like this finger wagging way. Like, how could you rednecks not care about the borders of Ukraine? Uh, and a couple other ones also I, came out. I oh, think that, that's actually one of the reasons why I think the messaging that you have from you know Republicans right now about why are we giving money to Ukraine to protect their borders instead of our own? Right, like that's why I think that's so effective. It's, it's so just well. like such a real thing. We're like. Yeah. Why are we giving them $60 billion? Well, it separates the foreign policy interest of the DC elite from the interest of America. Right. And once you do that, everything becomes very clear. You're like, oh my God, our foreign policy decisions are not made to keep us safe. They're meant to enrich a certain select group of people who want to dominate the world and then claim that it's for America and our protection. Well, did you guys see the, because this is something I've said on the podcast many times that a lot of foreign policy is just masked with, masked by a, like, it's just masking money laundering. You guys see some of the uh, videos that came out from Ukraine of like them, like stashing like millions of dollars and people taking millions of dollars in like these boxes and things like there was, there was videos on Twitter. Yeah. No, you gotta, you gotta add this to the discord, buddy. Um, We have not seen that. There was a bunch of videos that were like this. Um, so a former head of Ukrainian regional military recruitment office has been caught with a million dollar hidden in shoe boxes. Holy shit. Mm. Yeah. There was the story of the right. $40 million that like very clearly got covered uh, and confirmed by the press. Wow. 
Good thing How much is gloves. a plane ticket to Ukraine, you guys? You guys want to go treasure hunting? Some want to do some money laundering? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be in the neighborhood in June. <laughs> Wait, Bennett, what? will you? Uh, yeah, Bennett's on assignment oh, uh, coming it, up. It. Yeah, oh. he's going to be. We're going to miss you, bud. He's going to be overseas <laughs> fomenting some rebellion or something. Overthrowing a just democratically do, elected leader. Just doing a color revolution. <laughs> just casually. Yeah, but yeah. A revolution of color. Kyle, please. A revolution of <laughs> This episode is brought to you by our friends at Zesty Beverages. They're on a mission to unf*** the standard American diet by crafting drinks with fewer calories and more nutrients from real food. Their lineup of delicious offerings now includes Electric Peak Yerba Mate, postbiotic sodas, keto-friendly, ready-to-drink margaritas, and hard teas. Wondering what a postbiotic soda is? Well, head on over to ZestyBev.com to learn more and find a retailer near you. Once again, check them out online at ZestyBev.com. That's Z-E-S-T-Y-B-E-V.com. So like and last, lastly, we had to, I mean, really the question is, and it's like the, the Washington Post, no one reads the Washington Post except for liberals, right? So we have to get the conservatives to care about Ukraine again. Who do you roll out to get conservatives to care about Ukraine again? Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro. So Ben Shapiro came out with this great little rant uh, about an hour long on a bunch of stuff, but he starts out with his Putin is uh, settling all the family business. I'm surprised they didn't put like a 19 year old in front of him to debate. Ooh. <laughs> oh, surprised. surprised by that. Got him. Got Got him. him. <laughs> One of the great qualities of dictatorship is that dictators can hold the line even as democracies start to fade. That, of course, is the theory of pretty much every dictator across history. I'm going to need when a beer faced to make it through this. Democratic rival that is certainly the theory of vladimir putin today whether it is in i'm Ukraine gonna take my headphones off whether it's over. For, with regard to him just killing you know the people who oppose him people like alexei navalny and it's becoming very clear this week that vladimir putin is now settling all fam- alexei navalny i don't know how ben shapiro knows this he can say it with such conviction right that I, I appreciate that about him right isn't it impressive how he can just say he killed alexei navalny we don't know we don't, we don't know. I mean, a Mossad agent would probably know, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm kidding. <laughs> if he's, yeah. Well, that's I'm kidding, not, kind of. <laughs> if he's an intel agent, uh, he should probably let us know how he knows this. And that's and it's that's the, uh, the real challenge that I have with his podcast in this sense, at this point, is his inability to actually give me what, how he knows this. He doesn't give an argument here. He just says, this is, how, you know, obviously he did because... He's in Russia and he's in a Russian prison. And therefore, Putin, why would Putin do this right now? Why? You have the funding. Okay, let me get this straight. You are in charge of the Russian Federation. You're fighting a war against America, not Ukraine, against America and the American taxpayer base. And the American taxpayer base has a funding bill of $68 billion that has passed the Senate as being weighted on the House. And you're going to think, oh, right now is a good time for me to kill and take care of my family business. What reason? What are you talking about? Do you think right. he's just like an idiot? And, and build this rallying cry for the supporters of this bill to say, hey, yeah, look, he's such a bad guy. We need, exactly. to, we need to get back at him for this. Well, that, that obviously doesn't mean it wasn't Putin, but you would have to have an argument for why he's an idiot. Yeah. Or it just happened because as we found out this week from Ukrainian intelligence was reporting that it was leaked to the press that it was a blood clot. So maybe he took the jab. Well, his his uh, <laughs> <laughs> his. Uh, <laughs> you gotta give yourself the air horn on that. One. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll his, take it. His evidence is that everyone else is saying that it's that it happened. 
That's all the evidence that you There's need. A, yeah. Everyone else is saying MSNBC, <laughs> but they don't matter. Right. Like everybody is saying Putin is a ruthless dictator. He's a thug. He kills his political opponents. And you just repeat the, the NPC mantra. Well, right? and, and, and that's and all even, you need. And even if you don't care about the funding of Ukraine as the Russian state, you would care about the Munich security conference going on right now. Tell me more. This last week, there was a, there's just European leaders getting together to talk about collective security for Europe. Why would you kill your political rival then? And if he's in a secret war camp in Russia, couldn't you kill him without anyone knowing? You'd, you'd think. And then release the information at the right time that it benefits you? Like, it just, it's just, there's just so many questions here. And so, and it isn't that I say that I have a better sense of the situation than, than this potential Mossad agent, but rather because, and this is because of a rumor that went around at Breitbart. I'm, I'm actually joking. I don't know, th- I don't know if he is. But go ahead. I'm just saying that it, we don't know. Yeah. Well, with all of this, do you think the incentives exist for the West to have had to have played a role in facilitating the demise of Alexei Navalny in order to make it look like Putin did it at a perfectly opportune time? The question is just like, can you get into a ru- remote Russian work oh, yeah. camp to oh, yeah. give someone a you poison a that would there. create a clot? This whole purpose of spies. I mean, <laughs> right? like, you've heard of Can you imagine there, that right? you're the spy? They're like, okay, we want you to sneak into a Russian work camp in Siberia. And you're like, uh, <laughs> you're a spy. Okay, who's America. Already- <laughs> like, I'm not saying that that's what happened. I'm just saying like, yeah, it's yeah. definitely possible. Yeah. Like, you've I already just, been captured. It's and like, then- what's the highest likelihood? Right. Yeah. yeah. Occam's razor. Right. I'm, What's the, I, I, the, I think there's a likelihood. Like there's definitely a likelihood of that. Yeah. It's I, possible. Like if you, if the game is all about like all game theory is just about like narrative control. Yeah. And if you can control the narrative and get it to go in a certain direction in this moment, like this is a terrible moment for Navalny to die. Yeah. Like it's definitely a, de- definitely a possibility or a likelihood that some state actor would do yeah. it or somebody that's an opponent of Putin or, you know, whatever. Right. right? Internal to the state of yeah. Russia. Like it could be anything. Sense. Like, I mean, it, it could doesn't be have to a, be the CIA. Could be a Jewish space blood clot laser. Could be. Could mm-hmm. be. I mean, should have painted the house blue. <laughs> God, we are absolutely going to get banned from everything. Yeah, but that's a lot of different memes all in one little sentence. Right. Right there. <laughs> I was going to say, Joe, we might need to explain that one for some of our audience. Th- there, no, I mean, there's our Maui, our Maui fires. If you one, didn't right? catch our Maui coverage or or much about the Maui thing, right? The 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 conspiracy theory, the most I think outlandish and popular one is that there were Jewish space lasers that lit the island on fire. But there's been videos <laughs> going around and, and Biden made a comment at a press thing. It's talking about and then the houses that he were did. blue were yes, were there. No, no, no. He's, he, he said, the, um, the blue roofs. he said, yeah, like it'll be total devastation. There's one house standing because they had the right roof, the right roof. The right well, roof. It was very he didn't strange. say what the right roof was, which it's it just, could have just been I'm like, just saying I read the book of Exodus. <laughs> Go this, on. this is the sto- this is the story of passover you you put the lamb's blood on the door and the and the spirit does not kill you <laughs> that's, that's, how you the that's how you avoid the space lasers that's how you avoid the space Blue lasers roofs. <laughs> i'm going right home to paint Ooh. the roof of my condo anyways Blue. let's continue watching ben shapiro <laughs> hawk for nah war. i'm good family business. This is the week where he feels like he has the ability to do exactly what it is that he wants. And the reason he Why feels week, that way ben? is because of a combination of splits on the right in the United States and a combination of splits on the left in the United States, as well as splits in the European coalition with regard to Russia. When Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine, there was pretty much unanimity that this was not something that the West could allow to stand. 
that you couldn't have Vladimir Putin simply waltzing into Kiev, taking over the country, killing Vladimir Zelensky, and essentially setting up a puppet dictatorship and turning Ukraine into a second Belarus. You couldn't have that because it would put Russia directly on the borders of a wide variety of NATO countries, including Hungary and Poland. You, you couldn't pause, have pause, it. Pause, because- you can't have Russia right next to all of our bases in NATO. That seems... Right? How Wait. dare how dare they put their country there? <laughs> Wait, didn't we just add Finland or trying to add Ukraine to NATO, which would then be right next to Russia? Yeah, right. right. It tw- it's like 2014 just never happened to Ben Shapiro. Like he fell asleep that year. He woke up in 2015. He doesn't. He doesn't know. He doesn't know that we overthrew. Okay, so 2014 is interesting too because one of the things I, I read about this week was how the guy who was in charge, who got democratically elected at the beginning of the year, uh, basically that he had, you know, deals that he was going to basically turn pro- public or pri- sorry, privatize various different entities of energy that moved Russian gas. And he was going to allow them to become privatized and not sell them to Western interests. Oh, Mike Benz. Really interesting reporting on that stuff. So assuming that that's, that's correct, and it's very interesting to check out Mike Benz's stuff. We've posted on him before. His claim is that there was a very specific energy company that was being sold off and that this guy wasn't participating in negotiations and went back on his word to basically give this to London and New York financing. Interesting. And so that's what provoked 2014. And so everything came out of that money deal. I mean, that, that would track... Right. With the whole power, money, influence, incentive for, you know, the NATO allies to want to overthrow someone. I mean, similar to uh, Gaddafi in Libya. Right. He was going to Iran and Iran. I mean, there's a lot of different a lot of very similar situations where this has occurred. Right. Yeah. So uh, it, it, very interesting that he would kind of reverse that around for his audience and make the point like well, you can't have Russia overthrowing some country and installing a friendly dictatorship. How dare you? <laughs> We have cables from our own government saying that this is what we did. You want to keep going? No, no, I'd rather away, not. Joe. I'd rather not. Bennett, uh, just really quick. You, you like to listen to podcasts on 2X speed. Could you listen to Ben Shapiro on 2X speed? He speaks at 2X speed. Or, <laughs> or would your head explode? That's his, that's his baseline. Because it would certainly threaten listen former Soviet Shapiro satellite states like speed. Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, all of which are deeply fearful of a Putin-led incursion into their territory, Finland as well. You couldn't have it because Ukraine actually is a relatively major producer of products like wheat and oil. And mostly you couldn't have it because Vladimir Putin Great has interests that are antithetical those to those in the West. Eyebrows. And for all Damn. of the talk about over the last 25 years about how Vladimir Putin was just on the cusp of moderating, how it, there was going to be a moment when Vladimir Putin was welcomed into the family of nations and then he would just be nice to everybody. That never happened. Every single president of my lifetime has tried a reset with Vladimir Putin. George W. Bush right, famously on, looked on, in. Okay, okay, so like, why, why couldn't he just be normal? Why couldn't he just join the, the, the people of, of the world? The eyebrows. <laughs> like, you just, you gotta just not look at Russian history, right? Like, you just, you don't, you just ignore that at the collapse of the Soviet Union, that there was tensions between America and the people who lived in Russia because Real quick, bring up the murder rate of Russia at that time. It skyrockets after the collapse of the USSR. Really? Yes. It was. It became far more likely to die by killing after the collapse of the, of the Soviet Union. Why? Cartels. Large 
gangster cartels rise up from the, and the power vacuum and start trying to control things. Uh, and if you listen, like, for example, Scott Horton makes a case that the CIA and various different you know, agencies usually in Western money cartelize their economy. Uh, and then do that. Yeah, we would never do that. <laughs> never mind. We did that many, many times, such as, for example, using Western, you know, uh, intelligence agencies and things like that to control South America. We did that all throughout the 1940s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. And we know this, right? Economic Confessions of Economic Hitman document a bunch of those. But you can also check out things like um, uh, the CIA's use of many of these things in places like Guatemala on behalf of United Fruit, which resulted in almost 50 years of civil war. Yeah. So that like the um, uh, Devil's Chessboard is a great book about that. You can check that out. Did you, did you were you able to bring up Kyle? Uh, just, there's so much information. Oh, the Wikipedia <laughs> just shows it. Once you get to like 1992, it just, whoosh, the death rate goes way up. Hmm. Anyways, look it up yourself. Let's keep watching Ben Shapiro. No. Talk about this. <laughs> I just want to get to the bullseye part. And thought he had a sense of his soul. And then you had Barack Obama, who literally sent Hillary Clinton, his secretary of state, to Moscow to give them a button that didn't actually say reset, but was supposed to be a reset button. And then you had Vladimir Putin being offered flexibility by Barack Obama in 2012 in the lead up to the 2012 election. And then Donald Trump came into the office and the basic assumption was that Donald Trump was going to lead to a warm relationship with Putin. And now you have Joe Biden, who came into office and was immediately pretty soft on Russia in terms of sort of geopolitical strategery. Pause right as George there. George Bush right once put it. In what world was Joe Biden soft on Russia at the beginning of his presidency? Come on. Come on. The guy over oh, <laughs> Go off, Queen. I mean, come on. They, they spent four <laughs> years. The Democrat Party, Joe Biden machine spent four years claiming their political opponents were tools of Russia. You know, like... In what way would I mean? And actually, funny this week, actually, uh, what's his name from Public? Um, uh, Matt Taibbi came out with an article saying that we, we reiterating, reminding everybody that in 2016, actually, Hillary Clinton was the choice of Russia, not Donald Trump. Hmm. Yeah, because she was seen as a continuation of like the status quo and more reliable and less less un, unknowable where they're going to go. Right, so like the, the these things that is so crazy for him just to say that, just like ah, well, everyone who everyone who isn't me was wrong about Russia. When what are they resetting from? What are they trying to set a new direction from? Well, this is because Putin was a deviation from the guy before him. What's his name? Um, uh, Yeltsin? No. Um. Uh, oh God, not Yeltsin. That's not the right word. Um. The the drunk guy. Um. <laughs> forget his name the drunk, the drunk guy yeah, yeah um, he, he was like a deep alcoholic am i uh, right well they all he are, he, he uh he, he gave the position to people. i was j- j- jokingly gonna say boris is that is it boris, boris yeltsin no no okay. oh no no yeah 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 boris sure, yeltsin yeah, 90, yeah Bor- 91 and 99 boris you're right yeltsin. boris yeah. yeltsin we were right i was right i was right, right off the bat nailed it boris it's so cliche <laughs> okay so i know we had natalia earlier i'm like what is this 007 like golden eye on 64 <laughs> great game by the way so i know That's i know good. we're belaboring the point a little bit but i just want to make the point i just just the reset was to go back to the Yeltsin years from the Putin years. Putin comes in to change the Yeltsin dynamic that raised that that was a problem in Russia. From their perspective, they didn't like it what we were doing throughout the nineties in Russia, and what we were doing. Everything from you know, they just the international dynamic was changing throughout the nineteen nineties into the late nineties into the two thousands that were creating tensions. They wanted to go back to the nineties, not to go back to the USSR. What are they resetting? 
you think in 2011 when Hillary Clinton went to Russia and did the thing with the reset button that she was trying to reset? When was she trying to reset to? Good question. <laughs> like he's not answering. Obviously, it was to the time when we would prefer, which was the time when they were a vassal state. Right. They wanted a time where we were friendly relations. We only didn't have friendly relations because they weren't listening to us anymore. Hmm. So that's my beef with that. Also, I have a question. I didn't realize this, but just looking at the presidents, I didn't realize Putin wasn't president from 08 to 12. Dmitry yeah. Medvedev. Yeah, yeah, that was a short time where he stepped down. So she, when she went in 2011, Putin wasn't. I can't remember exactly what year that the, Hillary Clinton did that trip. Okay. I could be wrong about the year. The, the And this is the kind of conspiracy around it that the American government puts out is that he was still technically the president. Okay. It's just the guy was a puppet. It's yeah. like that, that's what it. the Americans say about it. Whether or not that's true, who knows? Yeah, it's I, like I, I think uh, it was from a similar faction, though, if I remember right. That's where that's got some basis. Yeah. Putin himself says that the the guy was fully independent, right? But you know, then you have to take Putin's word. Who really knows? Yeah. What, Who's really in charge of the U.S. government right now? Yeah. Biden. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's, saying Biden's fully independent. It's, we all know Obama's actually the president. But, but it, it is it is an interesting thing. It's just like Putin has been around since two thousand nine because ah. and Putin was actually appointed the presidency from the from the former who resigned, who, mm-hmm. who was Boris Yeltsin. Interesting. Uh, Putin was the prime minister at the time, and he was appointed the presidency. Appointed. Yep. I am the president now. <laughs> All right, keep going. Now, that, that take has been proved false time and time again. Vladimir Putin is a highly intelligent, highly skilled adversary of the United States. His interests do not align with the interests of the West. The chief Russian motivation, and this has been true for literally centuries, is territorial ambition. This has been true since the time of Peter the Great and Catherine the Great. I mean, if you want to go back even further, this has been true since Ivan the Terrible. In that the fact is that if you look at Russian history or have any sense of Russian history, Russia's great leaders are always measured by the amount of land they control, which makes a certain amount of geopolitical sense if you are Russia. Because, again, Russia is a giant step, meaning it is open to invasion from all sides. And so if you're Russian, one of the things that historically you have attempted to do is expand your borders so as to prevent invasion from all sides. Now, at a certain point, that defensive Justification becomes an offensive strategy in which you're invading sovereign nations that exist all around you and attempting to control top down. But Russia has always been an empire since the time of Muscovy. And now you are watching as Vladimir Putin just tries to expand the boundaries of what he sees as his new empire. I mean, he's- They've been this way for a thousand years yeah, and they just, just can't change. Just how they are. I <laughs> just can't understand why they just can't be at peace. They have to invade everybody around them. Yeah. Stuff compared himself to... Peter the Great just a couple of years ago after the invasion of Ukraine. So and when you watch the interview that he did with <laughs> the great joke on this, the great joke on this, this is like if Donald Trump compared himself to Andrew Jackson, it doesn't mean he scalped an Indian. <laughs> just, <laughs> it's a great joke. Yeah. But it's a great point, right? Yep. Just because That's he said point. he was like Peter the Great doesn't mean he actually has the same policies I mean, just or, or habits or whatever or anything. Ridiculous. Uh-huh. Do we do we need more of Ben Shapiro? Well, I was only thinking I wanted to get to the the blowback point, which I think is coming here in a minute. Okay. Tucker Carlson, where the I'm first 35 minutes is dedicated to his idea of Russian claims to Ukraine, in which he actually sort of makes the claim that Russia has claims to Poland and Hungary as well. He doesn't do that. When, when he says that sort of stuff, we ought to take that seriously. He's actually spelling out what he actively thinks. Now, there are a bunch of people on the left who think that Vladimir Putin is doing this because he is offended by the muscularity of the West, that if only the West had been more conciliatory toward Vladimir Putin, then Russia would not, in fact, be an adversarial force. 
that everything that Vladimir Putin does is blowback to the West. That is the theory of, of people on the left who are very much vacillating with regard to what Vladimir Putin is trying to do. And then there are a couple of theories on the, on the left. Right. Did you, you hear that? Did yes. you hear that? Yes. He has, to, he has to say, Tucker Carlson fans, you're on the left now. Right. So he's trying to frame this sort of like <laughs> rational perspective of, well, maybe we should take him at his word. Mo- moments, and it's so funny how he goes from, from one point, don't believe what he's saying, to the next point, we need to believe what he's saying. <laughs> it, it, it's bizarre. But so it, basically he's trying to frame conservatives that don't agree with him as being on the left. Yes. Well, he's case. actually trying to take people who listen to him, who, who like his opinion, as saying like, oh, okay, I need, to be, I need to think it's suspect when I hear blowback theory. Or when I hear saying, oh, he's responding to the incentives that America has established for him, that that's a leftist rationale. Because if America's just too muscular and he just doesn't like how muscular we are. <laughs> or something. I don't, I don't understand. I mean, I think I understand his point of view, but he's so, he's so busy trying to cast everything in a false light. I can't get past that. It's hard for me to. Yeah, I can't, I can't believe he it. goes from. When he says, you know, uh, he wants to invade Hungary or whatever, like we should take him at his word. That's him telling us what he wants to do. And then in the next breath, he's like, but he also says that if the West were more conciliatory or were more like willing to make a deal, uh, you know, he would he would have he wouldn't be in this position. He wouldn't be be acting so aggressive. But we can't believe him saying that. But we should believe him saying the other. It's a false argument, too. The argument isn't that we should have we should have been more conciliatory. Our argument is we shouldn't have overthrown a democratically elected government in 2014 and we shouldn't have invited them to NATO. That's that's our argument. When he said only a two only a year before he invaded. Hey, all I want is writing that you won't put NATO wouldn't put Ukraine in NATO or NATO in Ukraine. That's what I want. Just do that in writing. And we said, no, then he invaded. That's all. That's, is that conciliatory? Is that us not being muscular? That's us, just us saying, hey, you have this red line and we're going to respect it. Yeah. This is also how you do narrative control over a group and you co-opt a group is uh, by adjusting the framing. This is what Bill Buckley did um, with National Review and completely co-opted conservatives on foreign policy, mind you, mm. right? And it completely changed the dynamic of conservatives and how they viewed foreign policy it was during the Bill Buckley National Review era. But that's what he's doing right here is he's framing of what is left, what is right, and mm. saying, if you're on this, you're not part of the team anymore. And he's trying to muster those people that are kind of wishy-washy, they don't know where they are, and being like, that guy's siding with your enemies. You shouldn't be taking that, right? This is so interesting to me too, because it's like there's no better subject to to control than foreign policy, because it's something that's so far removed from most people's lives that we have to take the media's word in some respect mm-hmm. on what's happening, because we can't all go to the front lines in Ukraine and actually see what's happening, see it, who's winning. It's very Orwellian, right? In 1984, yeah. everybody was uh, was alliances were changing in the foreign obscure world that's elsewhere mm-hmm. and there's like oh now we're now we're at war with eurasia well no we've always been at war with eurasia right right, <laughs> right. It's, yeah. like, it's very orwellian dynamic. 10 seconds ago it was yeah. you know it was the other one I forget the other one right so if you take uh from the conversation with putin oh he's justifying why he is ivan the terrible and and wants to conquer the world right if that's what you take from his argument about how Ukraine and Russia and Poland and all these places are all Slavic and how they all have this interrelated relationship with each other that goes a long ways back. If what you take from that is he's arguing for why he should control everything, you might be a neocon, right? <laughs> like you are a neoconservative. Like you see the world as everyone wants to be 
rule of the world and take America's place as rule of the world, and only we get to be ruler of the world, everyone else is a threat to that, so therefore we are at war with everyone. That is that that idea is foreign to the conservative way of thinking of government. The conservative, the, the founding document of conservatism is is as as uh, uh, Burke's notes on the French Revolution, where he says you can't change human nature by effort. You can't just come in, overthrow the king, and interrupt all the genealogy of evolution that created. He didn't use the word evolution, but the 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 the, the connection between generations that created all these institutions and just restart. It won't work. And in fact, he predicts the great terror. He, he predicts murder and mayhem and all the chaos that created later the French Empire, and they became exactly what they tried to stop. Mm. Just an atheist version of it, you know. So like the um, that like that conservative insight that there's something there that can't change that doesn't that applies to foreign policy too. And we did that consistently to, uh, on Kyle's point for for the the the, the old right coming out of FDR's regime was saying. The foreign policy is another thing. We can't change Korea. We can't change Vietnam. We can't change what these people think with military power. And that's why we're going to fail here. And then we couldn't. Right? I mean, like, we can't impose our vision on the world and just create that. Uh, and then additionally, you have all the perverse incentives that go along. Well, there's also this old Cold War um, mantra that came from the neocons, which is democracies don't fight democracies. So, which is why we need to make the world safe for democracy. Cause you got to make everybody a democracy, but what they actually mean, cause democracy doesn't really mean anything, right? Like it's a, it's a meaningless phrase now, especially what, when you have what they mean is, what they means is our vassal states don't attack our vassal states. We need all the vassal states so that we can control and we can create peace because they're all under us. Right. right. That's the actual dynamic. The democracy thing is just the mythology that you get to, weave the necessity of control over the vassal states. Mm -hmm. So Ben just gets to like, just skip over all that, skip over all the failures of the Middle Eastern policy that he advocated for everything that he's been drilling on, on foreign policy for all these years that is blowing up in our face right now. And has continued to fail. Everything from Iraq and Syria and Libya and Somalia. This is the face you should be making. <laughs> yeah, such a good face. Did such see, a good freeze. Good freeze frame. Why anyone listens to this dude on foreign policy is amazing to me because he's not seriously engaged with it. He's here to no. Get he's you seriously to engaged with it. He's just a propagandist. On <laughs> he's, he's a neocon. Yeah. Like, you know, he is doing what the neocons want him to do, and he is doing because he is a neocon when it comes to foreign policy. Like, yeah. like that's he's he's engaged with it very seriously so everything is you're supposed to the art of states and like and manipulating groups is about weaving sophistry for your narratives <laughs> that's what you have to do and he's doing it very well so send this podcast to your ben shapiro listening friends and say stop listening to that neocon it's ridiculous so yeah next up you know who you know who else takes foreign policy very seriously oh, transition <laughs> man you guys made me tell the joke off the bat and now we're gonna go here with it so uh i guess going into that there was a guy who self-immolated in front of the israeli embassy in dc uh over the course of this last week 24 25 year old serviceman in the u.s air force aaron bushnell he live streamed his own self-immolation on twitch um, and he was protesting what, quote, what people have been experiencing in Palestine at the hands of their colonizers. And uh, he was saying that I will no longer be complicit in genocide. Um, to be fair, um, extremely tragic, like 
and graphic and the videos out there online for people to watch, which I think is, well, you know, it's really hard to watch it. I only watched parts of it. Yeah. I, I watched the video. Um, hard. Yeah. He's, he's screaming free Palestine like a dozen times as he's just like burning there and you have cops coming in because like cops had noticed that he was acting strange on the, on the lead up to it. And they're like, Hey, what are you doing over there? And then he just like dumps the gas on him. Yeah. It was uh, it's very oof. disturbing. Um, it's a, it's a sad tale, right? I mean, like the think pieces about it. I mean, it's, it's sad from so many different angles, right? It's sad that he, he found that this was this, his way to like make his life worth something like the meaning and to, to do that. And then to, you know, in a way that would end his life is so tragic and horrible. Um, he just, I just feel I, it's tragic. So I, I think it is worth noting his kind of background here is that he grew up Christian conservative, uh, became, uh, became a member of Antifa in his like early adulthood and, uh, became this like socialist anarchist type, hmm. um, had, had a lot of inspir a lot of his philosophical inspiration seemed to be uh, Max Stirner, which is like kind of a very broad brand of anarchism around with like labor and stuff like that. Kind of like old school anarchism, I guess. Um, but, uh, yeah. Um, but, it's not actually the first self-immolation in America over this back in December. There was a woman that self-immolated in front of the Israeli consulate in Atlanta. Um, so just a couple months ago too. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. It's not the first one. I hadn't heard about that. Uh, yeah. That one did not, uh, make the news in the way that this one did. Yeah. Uh, worth noting though, is that he Bushnell actually claimed that he had classified knowledge of us forces fighting in Gaza tunnels. Um, there was some interesting reporting from that from the uh, Intercept. No, not from the Intercept, from um, Blumenthal's yeah. stuff. Uh, yeah, Blumenthal had this uh, here. Oh, I, let me get Ben Shapiro off the screen. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, no, leave that. <laughs> please, please get him um, <laughs> But no, I remember when he reported this uh, from the White House some time ago. Um, yeah, Biden took this picture with special forces agents. Could we go down a little bit? Yeah, yeah, I'm just saying like, yeah. so like there is he claimed this right um but then the white house actually deleted an instagram post um which was them which was biden congratulating this and this is in october by the way so this this was like late october is when this instagram post was uh the white house said in israel president biden met with first responders to thank for the, their bravery and the work they're doing in response to the hamas terrorist attack yeah it turns so, out those guys are like delta force which they're not supposed to put online at all yeah, yeah. They're supposed yeah. To not exist yeah well in the official narrative is that we're, we're not actually we're not doing that, right? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of the important. It's take it's, there. it's double, right? It was a screw up because they put them online, right? Obviously, this was done by some political staffer. And second, that you know, obviously, it's quite sensitive that they actually had troops on the ground within days after uh, October seventh, uh, operating in Gaza, American troops. Yeah. So, and the the media around this has been very interesting. Like none of the headlines that I'm seeing from any major news outlet, they're all just like man sets himself in fire in front of embassy, you know, but they don't mention why everything's supposed to is like framing him as a crazy person. Maybe he's a crazy person. Um, I mean, it, it's a, it's a fairly extreme act to light oneself on fire for any cause and, and not to speak at all about the, the validity of the cause or otherwise it's, that's just an extreme act to take. Um, and you have to wonder like what, 
I mean, what 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 radicalizes a guy to go from one side of the spectrum of political thought, right, Christian conservative upbringing, to becoming Antifa and then a socialist anarchist? I think that route is pretty common because you go to college and a lot of people become Antifa, you know, socialists. Not necessarily I mean, like okay, all the way, thinking but like more progressively, becoming more socialist, thinking more leftist, but like Antifa is like a very like hardcore activist component of sort of the left but think of this when he would have been that age so he's 25 now so he's three years younger than me i'm trying to think he, he would have this would have been 2018 ish is when that would be happening right um antifa at that point in time was still kind of like, like it wasn't as prominent as it became during the blm yeah like oh that being said antifa like they were like ransacking DC during the Trump inauguration in, uh, 20, in 2016, okay, right? Yeah. Remember, so but, were, but the media, yeah. remember, this is also the time of like, you know, this is before mostly peaceful protests and you know, all this stuff, right? Right. Yeah. And this, this is, these would be the years when you had Antifa, Antifa and um, the Proud Boys fighting in the street all the time. All sure. that, all that kind of stuff was very 2016. Sure. That happened all the time. Yeah. Uh, and I was, uh, I was thinking about it that there's, you know, at least a part of this that's really tragic and this, this, uh, uh, NBC News example is interesting. You see that the, the title is just U.S. Airman Dies After Fire Protest, right? And they we don't have to watch it, but they don't really talk about his thing, like what his message was. And if we go down below it, it actually mentions, you are not alone calling the suicide hotline. As if this was just a way that the guy committed suicide. Yeah. Not like carrying the about point of his message, which is the point of his message was the U.S. government is supporting a genocide in Israel and I am so outraged by that. I'm going to commit suicide to draw your attention to it. And then there's like this, there's obviously a very much, and I don't know where it's motivated from. Is it motivated from like, we don't want to draw attention. So there's not conversions to his point of view here, or we don't want to, we don't want copycat sort of activity from young people who maybe are having a mental crisis. That is yeah. the question. Cause like, if you go to any, news outlet all the headlines are like the exact same thing and it's just like this where they're not mentioning gaza at all it's mm -hmm. just man kills himself like that's basically all it is yeah protest uh, against israel is another way to put it which is like not gaza not genocide not i mean and and i'm saying the word genocide very specific because that's the word he used mm -hmm. and number two you have the recent developments from the international court of justice that said you know that there's a probable cause here of a g word happening right and i'm not saying that there is but that there's like you just said it <laughs> we've said genocide multiple yeah, times I on this podcast. you don't have to censor yourself <laughs> i'm only thinking because uh, ben Shapiro is not watching <laughs> and i want him to be offended uh, um, um I, I would actually uh let's uh, react to candace owens um i thought that she had yeah. a very interesting take here she has um she, she kind of goes into this idea of the classified like the classified information as well and talks about that um and I, I i find her to having to be having a much more sober take on this it's it's very it's not very tribal on like picking a side or anything like mm -hmm. I, I think it's useful dialogue to see from her Aaron Bush Bushnell, who self-immolated and his final words were pertaining to 
saying that he wanted to draw attention to a genocide which was happening in Palestine. Obviously, this made this a politically hot issue. We know how politically hot it is. You can't say anything about Gaza. You can't say anything about Israel without being called an anti-Semite, without being called pro-Hamas. And I don't like any of it. It's all filth, right? Only when you are fearful of engaging in a debate do you name call. There's no reason to do that. Just present facts. That's all you have to do. Present facts. Be willing to have a discussion. If you're going to sit behind on your typewriters and just name call, it's giving 9-11 vibes where something horrific happened. And then any person that asks questions about what our government was doing thereafter was just called pro-terrorist. Right. You, you support terrorism in the Middle East. It's like, no, I am a human being and I demand to have a discussion. I have a thinking brain. And I understand that I am going to work so that my taxpaying dollars are funding things overseas, which means we have a right to know what is happening overseas. Well, New York Post, I know we've been following them. I think they've done a really good job of letting us know what happened with Aaron Bushnell because people are obviously concerned because it it pertains to somebody that was actively serving in the military. Well, they've done an update on this story. And apparently Aaron Bushnell's best friend, one of the last people that he spoke to, his name is Jack Morfitt, is saying that Aaron Bushnell had never violated. Uh, he had obviously clearance. He understood what was happening at the top, but he never violated that clearance. He, he never shared classified information with him ever until a phone call in which Aaron Bushnell claimed that he had secret knowledge of U.S. troops fighting in tunnels under Gaza just hours before setting himself on fire in an extreme act of protest. That is according to, again, the New York Post. Apparently, the airman served in the Air Force's 70th Intelligence, Surveillance, and Reconnaissance Wing, but also interacted with our anarchist groups online and ranted that he had top-secret clearance for military intelligence data. So, This is a quote from his friend. He said, he told me on Saturday that we have troops in those tunnels, that it's U.S. soldiers that are participating in the killings. His actual job involves the processing of intelligence data. Some of what he was processing had to do with the Israeli-Gaza conflict. One of the things that he told me, again, this is his friend that I'm quoting, is that coming across his desk was the U.S. military was involved in the genocides going on in Palestine the friend said, referring to Israel's war against the Palestinian terror group Hamas in Gaza. He told me that we had troops on the ground, you know, that they were there and were killing large numbers of Palestinians. There's just too many things that I don't know, but I can tell you that the tone of his voice just had something in it that told me that Aaron was scared. I've never heard that tone come out of him. He then went on to say the friend does not support Hamas in any way, shape or form, and that he was surprised by the phone call because Aaron had never previously violated his military clearance at all. Again, going back to. quote, Yeah, so that's because that's the interesting thing is that's that's something I haven't really been hearing in this talk here is that at least according to the guy's friend is that he had it's like he saw something and that's what triggered him to do this is Mm. because he saw that there was U S involvement in like the slaughtering of Palestinians. Right. Mm. And that's where he had this like moral quandary at the time. Interesting. Um, the, the, the guy also, he had a bunch of, um, he had a bunch of like anonymous social media accounts, I guess too. It was like, ace something ace being, you know, he's air force guy. I, I can't remember what they were called where he was, 
uh, tweeting out about, or not tweeting, it was Reddit posting about a bunch of things around um, this, just basically him talking about how he's going to be leaving the Air Force soon because he can't handle the stuff that he's been having to do and the half stuff that he's been having to see. Um, so yeah, there's those dynamics around this too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 very strange, especially when you compare it to how the right, the Israel supporters on the right have talked about this. Um, you know, for example, one I was reading was saying, this is just an example, just like how American youth are bored, right? And so we need a cause and we're so desperate for a cause because we don't have God in our lives that therefore we do this sort of thing to get attention. And it's just like, you just, you're just stealing all of his moral agency, all of his outrage, all of the things that he was like legitimately had concerns about. And you're just covering it over. It's like, ah, it's just like millennial listlessness. Well, I mean, as I think if this it, is the first time this has ever happened. I think probably, I mean, more of what it speaks to is the fact that for someone who is maybe even in such a position of, of authority in the sense that he has clearances, he has knowledge that most people don't have, that he also simultaneously feels like he has so little ability to do anything about it or to bring it to light without doing something so extreme. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think that's probably more pervasive than than just this case and might be part of the reason why they're why the media is addressing it in such a way as to kind of try to keep his his real intentions under wraps right his his actual views and the reason why he did this so that it doesn't you know inflame this feeling that i think is latent throughout perhaps a generation or multiple generations and throughout society more broadly yeah because I think a lot of people don't feel like they're in control of their own lives. I mean, how can you feel in control when your Congress is just spending tens of billions, hundreds of billions of dollars on borders around the world and on conflicts everywhere? And mm-hmm. and if you live in Texas and you've got, you know, migrants streaming across the border and, and invading your own backyard, you know, yeah. or, or, or you can't afford to put groceries on the table, you know, like, or you can't afford to put gas in your car, whatever it might be. I mean, people honestly probably feel very, very out of control and, Meanwhile, the United States government is sending your money to go do something that you vehemently dis- disagree with yeah. across the world. Like uh, that's, that's, that's a terrible thing. Yeah, it is. I mean, one of the things that I've always felt like that people could best kind of orientate themselves to is, you know, that, that sense of hope is one of your best avenues for real protest, right? That, I'm going to, I, I don't live in a free country in many ways that I find disgusting. So I'm going to be as free as I can. And I'm going to use my voice, use my freedom to most as carefully as I can articulate the truth as I see it. And that is how I become a true, a, you know, a true person of rebellion. Right. Uh, and the final end that obviously that this, uh, gentleman, Aaron Bushnell, which I'm sure I disagree with on many things, um, can't help but feel just like a sense of like, man, I just, it would have been a better use of your time and effort to, you know, tell the public about what you're doing in a Stoden way, you know, in a, in a many other way, even the discord leaker guy yeah, uh, did a lot for that. And he actually got convicted this week. I don't know if you guys know. Did that. he really? Yeah. yeah well, he pled guilty. Mm. Um, so uh, that trial's over. Well, I, I think there is a question of like, was this effective for the, for his cause, for his stuff? Cause it, as far as I'm seeing, I don't really, like, I think it's just going to, he's just going to be relegated to being a Wikipedia article. And that's that, tragic. That, that, and that's all it really is. Like, it, it doesn't seem like, 
you know, like if you're going to self-immolate, um, don't mean to laugh about it, but like, if you're going to self-immolate, you should do it. You would, it would be better to do so at a more narratively appropriate time, probably. Mm. Um, otherwise you just like your martyrdom is for nothing. Right. That, that is part of one of the ones that's really strange about it. Right. Is cause like once he's, once you've done the deed, it's kind of in everyone else's hands now. And right. And then like the way that the media controls the dialogue and the way that people react to it will determine your legacy. Yeah. Mm. Well, and, and granted, like, so I just pulled yeah. up, there's a, there's videos of, um, well, let's just pull up, but let me just put it low volume here. Um, we talk over it. Yeah. Yeah. So audio and listeners, we got a trash can on fire military veterans. So burning you, you, their yeah, uniforms. You military veterans burning their, their uniforms. Um, you had some, there's, there was, I believe in this crowd on this one, there was a old Vietnam vet that burned his uniform. Um, uh, I thought the fire went out there been like a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, they just keep putting it up. They just slightly fire. But so this was happening kind of all over the country. There was a bunch of these like vigils, vigil yeah. protests here. But but yeah, you get the you get yeah. the picture. I mean, you you can't. I mean, I can't. I can't imagine the will to light yourself on fire like that and then to burn like that and then just make your message like that. Like, I just can't, I can't imagine it. Uh, and like to respond with anything other than, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, I took a, told a joke about it up front and things like that, but it's like, man, man it's like you, you laugh so you can't cry. Cause it's such a fucking tragedy. Exactly. And, and then, and additionally that, well, the other story that came out of this is that people on the left, uh, and you want to bring up the tweet, Kyle on the left, you know, try to memorialize them by saying rest in power. And then that became the controversy about whether or not it was appropriate because he was white to use the term rest in power to describe. And this is, <laughs> um, I don't know if it's a mock account or. I really can't tell. Yeah. It's hard to tell. John Paul or Dr. John. In this, but uh, And this is just the classic, the left eating their own because of. Yeah. Like, There's so woke, many examples. Moralizations here right. is, is you can't use rest and power for a white man because it's a black terminology or whatever. It's it's classic. Classic. They run a podcast called Black Fat Feminine Pod. Um, that's the name. Black Fat Femi Pod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, Shout and there's, out. there's a whole bunch more. <laughs> yeah, we'll put a link in the show notes. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, there's a, bu- a whole bunch more like that of people basically that becoming the discussion out of it, not the genocide in Yemen, which is just absolutely tragic. Uh, Gaza. Gaza. But also there's a genocide in Yemen. There was one in Yemen, in Yemen too. <laughs> I got so used to saying we forget. Where isn't there a genocide these days? Gee, you know it's bad when you're confusing a, your genocide. That's not oh. a good sign of the world oh. at all. Uh, yeah. Black people rest in power. Non-black queer people rest in pride. Everyone else rest in peace. Your condolences aren't less meaningful just because you can't say rest in power to a fallen white man. If you think they are, it's because your words were empty from the start. This this is like the best argument I've seen, which is like <laughs> this very neat division of who... It is. And uh, this is from a random guy on Twitter who likes butts in anime. Yeah. So according to his bio? <laughs> yeah. Where? His, his, his bio on the right-hand side. Uh, that's just the funny Number part. one most blocked Blue Sky account? Yeah, yeah. Uh, black college dropout trying to get by. Number one most blocked Blue Sky account. I don't know what Blue Sky is. Blue right. Sky is a Twitter competitor. Oh. Uh, okay. it, it was. I believe it was made by Dorsey. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, I, I believe. 
So anyways, uh, the, 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 this is the dialogue as an example, right? Is like how to best relate to that. Unfortunately, that is drowning out along with a lot of the things, his, his actual message. Well, and I think that that's, that's exactly the sad irony of yeah. the situation where you feel so out of control that you do something so extreme that you put other people in control of the narrative around your actions, mm-hmm. not the way to accomplish uh, something that, that is a lasting legacy that, that you have any agency over unfortunate um you know had a lot of agency it's p diddy <laughs> sean combs great transition good transition guys <laughs> oh god good transition <laughs> i've never seen joe turn away <laughs> that was like a whole new level of yikes uh <laughs> yikes so yikes. uh there was another weird story that came out this week p diddy Sean Combs. Uh, there's a lawsuit against him from a producer by the name of Lil Rod. Which is just so strange. Great name for this. Why would you even <laughs> choose uh, that one? For <laughs> specific. Where, of, all uh, the, of all the Lils you could pick. I just don't know. Where, where P. Diddy has been accused of sexually harassing both men and women, both of age and underage. Um, also, there's stuff in the lawsuit about potential murders and stuff like that too um which p diddy covered up as well there's tupac conspiracies right like it kind of feeds into that right Mm -hmm. but you know where he covered up with just calling them a run or like a a, a drive-by shootings and things Mm -hmm. there's there's a bunch of but it also alleges that there's basically this massive blackmail ring that's going on in the rap industry interesting it's like an 80 page document for all Hmm. this yeah um and people are connecting a lot of dots from different interviews over time. So, for example, Kanye calling P. Diddy a fed uh, to, uh, I think, 50 Cent also saying P. Diddy was gay. And it's just a whole bunch of dots being connected across the rap community. Uh, I, I do have a, uh, I do have events. a, uh, there's a famous clip from last year from Cat Williams uh, yeah. uh, that I do have here. I'm not going to play the Kanye one because it's very explicit. It's oh, very, yeah, a yeah, lot yeah, of yeah, N-words being that. dropped. Yeah. Um, and we're, we way don't too, do that. We're, we're way too white here. Way too white. <laughs> All of our listeners are white. We've seen the demographics. Um, you guys wait, can hear that. Really? We have racial demographics? Yeah. No, we don't. On YouTube, yeah. No, we don't. Yeah. Racial demographic? No way. Huh? Show me. Can we move on? <laughs> <laughs> I want to see a racial demographic. All Jews. Um, All right, go ahead. <laughs> All right, well, just one second. One second. Lost those <laughs> after that last. But uh, A lot of pings from Langley. I'm not sure what that's about. <laughs> Um, yeah, so here's uh, Cat Williams. Four times, just to protect my integrity and that virgin hole I was telling yeah. you. <laughs> right, because uh, P. Diddy be wanting the body. And you got to tell him no. Oh, you got to tell him no. Oh. I, I did. Oh. I did. See, I got the receipts for everything I'm telling you. But there's so, actually... So, so, wait, well, let's slow down here. <laughs> wait a minute. I've never seen that before. I'm reacting to this in live. live. So what he's suggesting is that P. Diddy... Was suggested anal sex, and he said no, and yes. that was the whole. But there's more from that interview that I think will give will enlighten you a little. <laughs> there's bit. a Good lot more. Day. From thank that you, interview. thank you. Keep keep. I'm on the uh, golden road here. He offered to suck my <laughs> in front of all my people at my agency. <laughs> <laughs> what am I supposed to do? But just I, I, I want to just because we got distracted. It's in front of all my people at my agency. <laughs> What the fuck? <laughs> but wait, there's more. <laughs> We're gonna have to bleep this, Bennett. You're gonna have to bleep this, Bennett. I think. 
It's an adult <laughs> podcast, kids. You can say that. Oh, no. I don't know, man. Whew. It's not good for but the algorithm. The rest of it, I think, is actually important here for <laughs> okay. that. I just, it's just for funny. It, it just comes <laughs> in hard on the beginning. Evidently. <laughs> no joke. What am I supposed to do? He did all of that. I'm thinking I'm the only black person on the script. I get there. It's three other black guys on there. Woo. Huh. So you wonder what they did to get <laughs> I told him no. What y'all do? <laughs> and this is why when I walk in a room, heads go down. Behind my back, I'm nothing. I'm just a regular old comedian that's bitter and jealous. But in my face, no, no, no. The king has walked in and they have to respect it only because I've not taken the shortcuts. I've not been funded. They pay you to not talk about things they don't want you to talk about. They tell you that themselves. I came in this business saying I was going to expose. When I talked about Michael Jackson, when I talked about R. Kelly, they canceled me for these things because why would you talk about another black dude? Race is not where the line is drawn. It's God's side and the other side. And we don't care nothing about the other side. Period. Period. All of these uh, big dick deviants is all catching hell in 2024. It's up for all of them. It don't matter if you Diddy or whoever you is. T.G. Jakes, any of them. The, every, all lies will be exposed. That's all. And, and, and anyone who takes that the wrong way know why they take it the wrong way. The truth is the light. Yeah, Ooh. so... Yeah, so this was a famous interview that Cat Williams did, famous comedian, Mm -hmm. uh, did last year where he was saying that 2024 is when everything's going to get exposed. Well, and he was just on Rogan. I haven't finished that episode. He was just on Rogan. Yeah, I just started the episode. Okay, so I don't know if he talks about Uh, this. I think there's anything big from it. It probably would have got... Yeah, probably. They, 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 now. My understanding is they talk a lot about Atlantis. Okay. Yeah, I did just get to that part. <laughs> um, this actually, kind of speaking of Diddy, this reminds me, this was a few years ago. Uh, Eminem and Machine Gun Kelly. Yeah, I was thinking battle. the same thing. Um, Eminem has a line to Machine Gun Kelly. It says, Bikels, the day you put out a hit, the day Diddy admit that he put the hit that got Pac killed. <laughs> Ooh. And it like was a big deal Ooh. when yeah. that came out. Yeah. He yeah. does say like, at the end of the song, like kind of just kidding, uh, yeah, he's Diddy. like, I'm, I'm just kidding, Diddy. You yeah, know, I love yeah. you. He, he kind of does that, that like thing. with a lot of his songs, but like once yeah. you once that genie's out of the bottle, it's kind of hard to be like, yeah, but that's been out forever though. That's like been there. Well, yeah, th- but th- that's always been to... a conspiracy is that Diddy yeah. put out the hit for Pac, and that, that's been a long standing conspiracy. So yeah. I saw a lot of that were suggesting that the the, the internet dialogue about this because mm-hmm. there's a ton of speculation is argued something like, and I'm probably not well founded, but that. Pac and Biggie. Biggie were both in a both their feud independently, but they also didn't like the record labels, and they were going to. They're going to be dependent. starting their own. And the mm-hmm. argument is that the record labels themselves are controlled by obviously they, and they didn't like it, so that they got them killed. Right, and then that that. The argument is that P. Diddy is part of a controlled asset of that establishment. Well, and that's also one of the things in the Kanye West interview that he did. And this interview, the interview from that time was actually taken down, which is interesting. So there was a famous interview that he did a few years ago, and he was talking about how he called out Meek Mill, who Meek Mill's has been going crazy on Twitter. And it's, it's all fun. over the place. Too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he, he called out Meek Mill. He's just like, the reason why you got, you got out of jail is because you made a deal 
and that's why you're coming after me it's like he's kind of insinuating these types of things and uh meek mill has been a big like criminal justice reform advocate in the past because he went to jail for drugs and all this stuff right mm. but uh, 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 so to be clear in the lawsuit nins meek mill as one of the people who had to, to, to be clear PTA. no they didn't actually name me Meek Mill. It's a Philadelphia rapper who dated Nicki Minaj. <laughs> <laughs> so really things. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and so that's a, uh, that's actually, I have a, I have a clip from DJ academics. Who's kind of like a hip hop, like radio guy. All right. Um, where, where he was Play doing, it. there's no, there's no, there's no, he was no doing, he was doing here. a live stream where he was just reading through the thing. And he made the insinuation because he's like Philadelphia rapper. <laughs> Meek. <laughs> But uh, or let me just pull this up. Yeah, DJ He did not. It, it did not say Meek Mill name. Wait. Oh, oh, hold up. Never mind. Wait, what the fuck? I forgot. Look, Mr. Combs informed Mr. Jones that he had engaged in sexual intercourse with rapper Five. That's redacted. Look, Five. He's a Philadelphia rapper who dated Nicki Minaj. <laughs> <laughs> really narrows it down, doesn't it? <laughs> it's reaction. We were playing around with that Michael Rubin shit, but if you don't, you've been tweeting about every, you've been tweeting about everything on planet Earth. If you don't get a Twitter rant saying you about to get Lil Rod killed, you about to shoot up his block, blow his mama's house up, this is saying that you and Diddy were fornicating. <laughs> What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> it was fornicating. I just love how it's like so secretive in the document. And then it's like, you want a clue? <laughs> huh? I'll give you a clue. Like the next the next one done. He performed at the Super Bowl and had a successful Vegas residency. It's like, what is this? The fucking crossword puzzle? This is crazy. Wow. <laughs> Wow. wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause like th- there was a back and forth. I saw like Andrew Tate was tweeting. And it was like, wait, so P Diddy had sex with Meek Mill and uh, who's the other one? and Usher and, and, uh, and then Meek Mill is like calling him out. It was like, well, you human trafficked. That was strange. How are we laughing about this? What this is, is, this is, is so strange. Well, such a sign of the state of the world. It's one. Okay. So like the meaning, what does it mean? Okay. So one thing, if, if P Diddy is gay or bi, no, who cares? who cares if he's using said things to blackmail people, that's fraud. African American male, please. Well, there, there's been a well, in, in, but, but, but there's been a I took lot me a minute, of, dude. I had to yeah, catch up. Yeah, I was like, I had to get on the bus and well, like drive was, across town to get there. I, I was thinking male, like, like a guy. Yeah, Works on many well, levels. Well, but there's also been all these other things. So people are digging up old clips. Like there's this old clip of um, of Diddy talking to Justin Bieber, early Justin Bieber, like yeah. young, like 14, 15 year old, well, just like a YouTube star. Well, Justin Usher Bieber discovered Justin Bieber. And there's also so that, right? That makes a lot of sense. And, and, and Diddy's like, why don't you come around no more Bieber? And, he's, and Bieber's just like stuttering through it. it was like, well, you don't have my right number. Uh, <laughs> it's like very weird. It's very strange. Uh, and, and it is cringy, the video. And I, it's also, it's also possible that not every one of these cases, we don't want to be too, Trying to keep it like what we actually know. Yeah, but the, I do think. No, let's go the Ben Shapiro. The question <laughs> is <laughs> the other part we haven't covered yet, which is that the accusation that this is all being recorded and used, as Cat Williams kind of suggests, in a way to coerce as both the carrot, 
of the money and the stick of if you don't do what we say, we're going to release that you are gay to a rap community that does not like gay people. That doesn't that, that we would be hard to become be famous and be gay and be black. Other things that Cat Williams talked about in that interview too is he's saying that he like he turned down $50 million because they wanted to put him in a dress and things like that, which yeah. is like, that goes into other conspiracy land where there's been things about that, about putting black people in dresses, black dudes in dresses and things. So who knows? Take a lot of this with a grain of salt, but there's just some interesting dynamics there that exist. Well, especially how it, how it parallels what we covered with. Did we cover this ice cube talking about how he thought that the music industry had kind of intelligence agency control that was encouraging gangster music to happen the way it did. Sounds vaguely familiar. I'm not sure. If I don't we think we covered it, not, it, but, but we, 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 we just we talked, have about, talked it. about it. Yeah. Oh God. Well, we, that's just not recorded little insight to the, what <laughs> we decided not to cover. Uh, but it was an interesting, it was an interesting argument from there that seems to be connecting, right? Where people are kind of drawing this, this throughput line of, uh, that story to this, where there's, there was funding of, American music and art going all the way back to the world war world. Uh, sorry, the great depression. I talked about jazz diplomacy last week with the CIA operation. jazz diplomacy. We, and, and then, you know, Cuba saying no American hip hop was used by establishment powers that are important and connected to intelligence agencies to encourage American art. a few weeks ago. We had the Mike Ben stuff talking about Taylor Swift and NATO. Yes. Yeah. Right. Did like, you guys see the thing I sent to her? A lot of through lines. Yeah. Are so, and one of the things is it's difficult to actually draw all those things into one coherent narrative because we don't know a lot about what's going on here because it's black hat, right? Don't say it. <laughs> African American <laughs> hat is that? <laughs> I, look, I was going to gloss right over oh, it until yeah, you mentioned well, it. So you got the black hat on. Not me. That's fair. Uh, the thing that I sent to our, our group chat, or maybe it was a uh, Instagram with you know the same thing dangerous for our democracy all the news outlets saying the same talking points oh, this one this yes. time it was the taylor, taylor swift, swift is not a psyop and yeah, all yeah. the different news outlets. It, yeah. interesting it's interesting it's interesting that they care so much about it right? <laughs> why do they want everyone what a to weird know? thing to just keep telling us well, yeah and the other side of that is just like we aren't even saying that she is we're just saying that if you were to have one it would make sense right and it's weird that they're now like so overt defensive. about trying to be defensive of that. Well, well there, there's been a lot of allegations in the rap community. Like I've seen this from like up and coming YouTube rappers and things like that, talking about how they're like very suspicious of this guy that popped off. They like think they think that there was some like sexual favors that were going on with the, the, his label industry. And like, I'm not going to name names on this, but like those types of allegations, I've seen those over the years happen a lot. And it always just seems to be happening in the rap industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was there was arguments about P Diddy's like mentor who was from like old Motown records who had all kinds of other connections that they were of concern but I haven't seen it like a solid case um, that was tied to the intelligence agencies. Well, can I ask one big clarifying question? Um, what the the lawsuit here? What is the like premise of the lawsuit? What was done wrong? This isn't just about his personal behavior. Lil Lil Rod is saying that. He did. He sexually harassed him. Yeah. Okay. That's additionally, like the initial basis. Okay. Additionally, using gotcha. blackmail and fraud on, gotcha. on people. Gotcha. Right. Gotcha. So that blackmail part of it. Why, well, the reason why I made the joke about Epstein up front is because there is a clear. While there isn't yet any clear tie to intelligence agencies, specifically there is in the Epstein case. There's a very clear in this situation, you know, method being used that we do know that the intelligence agencies use. For example using MK Ultra in a brothel in LA in the 1960s and 70s we know that they you know 
put dim- diplomats into compromising situations for that specifically for that purpose. Me? Yeah, it's twelve fifty, so alarms are going off. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. So yeah. Anyways, we don't know that, but it is a method used, and yes, yada yada. Hmm. So we might have to put that conversation behind the paywall, you guys. <laughs> I got spicy. <laughs> I got spicy. I'm not sure YouTube's going to like that. You're telling me that you've been fornicating. <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> wow. Okay. A lot to unpack here. Obviously, there's going to be more of this that comes out uh, in the case as it goes on. So we'll we'll keep tabs on our friend P. Diddy and his sexual exploits. This year has turned out to be quite the year. <sighs> There's a lot of interesting March. stuff. More, so, more than we March bargained 1st. for. Yeah, March 1st. Yeah. But, you know, they was fornicating. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, I think that's all we got for you today. Thanks so much for watching. We will see you in the next one. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to Human Reaction. Help us fight internet censorship by liking, commenting, subscribing, following, and sharing the show with your friends. To find us around the internet, visit linktree.com slash humanreactionpod. And remember... You can't have Russia right next to all of our bases in NATO. That seems right. How dare how dare they put their country there? <laughs> <laughs>